Our scripture reading this morning is taken from John chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. Before we read that, will you pray with me our prayer for illumination? Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and also do it. Through Christ our Lord, amen. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Amen. We stand at the foot of the cross. And we try to take in the scene around us. Jesus and two others hang before us, struggling, dying, but we can't look away. The scent of pain surrounds us, filling the air, it's unavoidable. We hear the cries of the wounded, mixed with the cries of those who mourn. Their cries mingle with the mocking words from the guards and the onlookers who can't pass up an opportunity to throw an offensive word. As we survey the scene, our eyes come to rest on a group of women. Scripture tells us near the cross stood his mother, her sister, and Mary Magdalene. So many others, most of his faithful disciples had abandoned him, yet these women had come. This was a dangerous situation for them. Jesus was named as a criminal. He was a revolutionary in the eyes of the Roman government, tried and convicted, sentenced to death. If they were seen as sympathizers of his, they could be arrested themselves. Yet they came. They came while in the face of danger from their own religious leaders who considered Jesus a heretic at best. If they were seen as his followers, his believers, they would be shunned by their own people, yet they came. And our eyes focus in on the group. You can't help but notice her, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the faithful young woman who, upon hearing the call from God to bear his son, said she would be God's servant and bow to God's will for her life. I wonder as she stood there, watching her child be crucified, 
Did she still feel favored by God? Was she angry? Was she distraught? How did Mary handle the flood of emotions that crashed over her? Yet they came. She and her sister and others, they came when many didn't. They came when others bowed to fear. They came and they watched and they made sure that he knew he was not alone in those final hours. They came as an act of pure love and devotion. And then we hear the voice of Jesus. Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. Woman, here is your son. These words, these five words carry much weight. He will no longer be there to ensure that she is cared for. He will no longer be there to ensure that she has family around her, taking care of her needs, protecting her, providing for her, for his own sake. He has to know that someone will step into that place, that role. Though she may have family, he has to know that someone will take charge of her, and it must be someone that he trusts. So he says to the disciple that he loves, here is your mother. He is acting as guardian and passing that guardianship of Mary onto his friend and devoted follower. Woman, here is your son. Here is your mother. Take care of one another. As I read these words, I thought of the countless times that I have sat with people as they have prepared to leave this world. They will reminisce at times or tell stories and share memories, but there comes a point when they realize that the time is drawing close. And one of the things that they always want to ensure is that their people, their family will be cared for. That is often one of the worries that is expressed. Who will care for my loved ones? Who will love them the way I do? I don't want them to be afraid or alone. Who will be their person. These types of worries plague the dying as they know they will no longer be here to care for the people that they love. So they look for reassurance that someone will stand in their place, someone will take up their mantle, someone will shoulder the load of caring for their loved ones. Beyond their own illness and pain and impending death, the needs of others rise up in their minds and they want to know that someone will Step in. Mother, here is your son. And here is your mother. Love one another. The sentiment behind Jesus' words has much deep meaning, one that many of us can relate to. But beyond the sentiment, let's examine the words themselves that Christ says, as he says, woman, here is your son. It rings strange in the ears to listen to a son call his mother woman. This isn't, though, the first time that we hear Jesus refer to Mary as woman. In one of my favorite stories from Scripture, Jesus speaks to Mary and refers to her as woman. In John chapter 4, in the story of the first miracle, Mary comes to Jesus. 
because they are out of wine at the wedding and she is worried for the wedding's hosts. And she comes and she tells Jesus that they have no wine and Jesus replied to her as, woman, what concern is that of yours and mine? My hour has not yet come. Woman, what concern is that to me? It is not my time yet. You see, Jesus' public ministry had not yet begun, but Mary knew that he had the ability to intervene, to create change. Yet he's telling her, it's not my time, it's not my concern, it's not the place. And in true motherly fashion, Mary takes in her son's response and promptly turns to the wine stewards and says, do whatever he tells you, as a good mother would. Though Christ seems unwilling, she knows that he is able, so she presses the envelope. She presses him into action. And we know that the first miracle recorded in Scripture is when he turned six stone water jars into not just wine, but the very best wine that they had ever tasted. We read in the scripture that Jesus' ministry began in these moments. This was the moment that the wider public saw that he could control elements, that water itself would respond to his command. The first public act of miraculous power began when Mary asked him to intervene. Was Jesus pointing us back to this moment when he once again refers to Mary as woman? Was Jesus reminding us of the moment when he became a visual representation of God among God's people in this moment where he could not look more human? You have heard me say before that I believe that there is great power in words. I don't find it coincidental that Jesus only referred to Mary as woman two times in recorded scripture once at the beginning of his public ministry and once at the end of his human life. There was another time that the word woman was used that is noteworthy in scripture. In the account of creation that is given in Genesis 2, God has created man and has created animals. And Adam has named all of the animals, but there is no suitable partner for Adam found. So God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep and God took one of Adam's ribs and used it as a building block upon which to create Adam's partner. And when presenting this partner to Adam, he said, Adam said, this is the bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man she was taken. I find it fascinating that in these times of disruption, when God is moving in response to a disruption in the word, in the world that the word woman is connected. In all of these times of creation from disruption, when God is creating and bringing order to chaos, when Jesus is beginning his public ministry and moving in a way that countless people will come to know that he is special, and when Jesus is creating a new way to the Father through his crucifixion and resurrection, we see the same words being referenced over and over. I don't point this out to say that the word woman has necessarily some sort of 
powerful connection. I do, though, find it fascinating that the way God ties these events together, as if he's passing a thread through time and place to connect these dots for us as we hear the same words repeated. I believe that the word woman was used intentionally by Christ to hearken the hearer back to these events. After all, these were the only two times in New Testament scripture that Jesus is recorded as referring to Mary as a woman at the beginning and very near the end when he was God among man and man. Or was it the end? We know that it wasn't truly the end, but it was a point of great disruption. And isn't that where God often moves in the most visible ways when life is being disrupted? Or is it that we are the most aware of God's movement during times of great disruption? I say the latter. Think back on times of disruption in your life times of chaos, even times of good change. That's still disruption. Think of the times that something new is being created or formed. In these times of great disruption, isn't it easier to turn toward God? And as we reflect on times of great disruption, it's often easier to see God's movement because we are looking. I can imagine as Mary stood and took in the scene before her that she felt completely helpless. Have you ever stood and watched as someone that you deeply love struggles? Maybe your child, and you want to do anything to change the circumstance, but you feel helpless. Great disruption brings feelings of helplessness and hopelessness But in times of disruption, God is often moving in unbelievable ways. We've seen it time and time again throughout the course of God's story. And we are reminded through Jesus' words from the cross of the thread of God's power that weaves through humanity's disrupted history. From the very moments of creation, from the vast nothingness God created humanity, man and woman, And that same God who created all things responded to a personal need. The same God who looked into the chaotic nothingness and brought forth life and breathed life into humanity also responded when they ran out of wine. God responded to a personal need when in the first moments of Jesus' ministry, Mary disrupted the plan, came to Jesus and asked him to care for their friend. And in that moment of personal chaos, Jesus moved and many became aware of God's presence in Christ. And in these final moments, where we hear Jesus offer his own mother to another for safekeeping, and as feelings of helplessness and hopelessness overtake, we are reminded that God is working. In these moments where we feel as if this disruption is too much to take, As Jesus is slipping away, we are reminded that God is moving in a mighty way. God is moving. Through times of great disruption in the world's story, through times of great disruption in our own stories, 
God is creating, God is caring, God is providing from beginning to what seems as the end. God is good. And all God's people said, amen. I'd like to invite the band back up as we prepare to sing of the goodness of God. You can remain seated, but if you know the song, please sing along.